This is the MG Car Club podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this week's episode, the story of one girl who bought a Z and ended up working for the MG Car Club. We meet Gemma Bray from the Kimberhouse team. The MG Car Club podcast. Hello, welcome to another MG Car Club podcast. Wayne Scott with you. Hope you're keeping well and I hope you're enjoying the first signs of spring here in the UK as we head towards the middle of March and hopefully ever closer to being more free to go to events and car shows and good stuff like that. I mean, you don't want to wish your life away, do you? But um, we're all looking forward to getting out and about in our MGs to social events very soon. Social events, of course, like the recently announced Triumph and MG weekend, which is taking place on the 13th to the 15th of August at the Three County Showground in Malvern in Worcestershire, which is a lovely place, by the way, if you've never been. It's right in the shadow of the Malvern Hills. And as you look out, out of your tent in the morning, if you're brave enough to camp, you'll see the Malvern Hills extending behind the showground, a perfect setting for an event that will be celebrating some huge milestones in MG's history. The anniversary, of course, of the MG Midget, 60 years since the MG Midget arrived in 1961. And more recently, well, I say recently, I can't quite believe it's 20 years since the MG Z range was launched. And we'll be celebrating that with the Z register at the Three Counties Showground. All part of the Triumph and MG weekend where the MG community and the Triumph community have combined to get us out of this pandemic in fine style at Malvern. So get your tickets, by the way, if you haven't got them already via triumphandmgweekend.com. And plans are already afoot, I know, for the Z Register to be joining us. We'll be talking to them, hopefully, on a future episode of this podcast, not too far away from now. But it is incredible, isn't it, that it's 20 years, two whole decades. And it, on one hand, doesn't seem like that long ago. But on the other, it makes you realise just how much the British motor industry and the motor industry across the world has changed in those intervening 20 years. The MG Sports Saloons, the Zeds, were launched in the spring of 2001. They were launched as the ZR, the MG ZS, and the MG ZT. And if you remember the advertising slogan, they had TV adverts as well. I think the, uh, the slogan was, life's too short not to. And you can't argue with that, can you? My favourite, probably one of the rarest now, was the ZS. I remember seeing one of those parked outside the Corn Exchange in Leeds. And just thinking what a fantastic looking hot hatch it was. And then, of course, there was the more luxury M, the MG ZT, which is essentially that Rover 75 platform. With the ZT 260, which we've discussed at great length on previous episodes here on the podcast, with that amazing Mustang V8 in it as well. And uh, there was even something for the man with lots of kids or dogs or something like that with the ZTT, which was the estate version. Loads of great models that we can celebrate this year as that milestone of 20 years is upon us. And they are a car, of course, that is endangered. They're an endangered species, the Zeds, with the Z register telling us that over 78% of the cars ever built by MG Rover are now gone, lost forever. And at the end of production in 2006, the total cars on the road was just over 90,000. And now we think there's less than 20,000 left. That's over 78% have been lost forever. So hence, the MG Car Club fronted up the Save Our Zeds campaign. 
and it will be great to see all of the enthusiasts of those Zeds coming together to celebrate throughout various events this year. And as we'll hear in this episode's feature interview with Gemma Bray, part of the Kimber House team of staff that look after the day-to-day runnings of the MG Car Club, they have a particular appeal to younger audiences of classic MGs. They have gone through that difficult sort of teenage years. They are now starting to be appreciated as classics in their own right, and quite justifiably so. And it's amazing just to find out how many young people have come into the MG mark having discovered Zeds that then go on to discover some of the more historic cars, the MGAs and the pre-war MGs that probably they wouldn't have ever come across had it not been for that hook getting them into the brand in the first place. So they are an important car within the MG Car Club's lineup of cars and representative of a new era of modern classics that we should be celebrating as well. Not to mention the fact that they're very affordable to buy and very affordable to run. And as long as the government don't come up with any more scrappage schemes, uh, which accounted for some of the huge losses of them around 10 years ago, um, as long as we don't uh, lose any more to schemes like that, let's hope that the decline can be stemmed somewhat and Zeds can be protected for the future. So throughout the coming weeks on this MG Car Club podcast, we'll be talking more about the Zeds and talking to those who own them and love them and have even started to restore them. But this week, we talked to a member of staff from the Kimber House team, Gemma Bray, who owes not only her passion and interest in MGs to the Zeds, but also now her career as well. The MG Car Club Podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast well on this week's MG Car Club podcast I've drafted in one of the Kimber House team and we welcome to the podcast Gemma from Kimber House hiya Gemma hello Wayne (laughs) how you doing I'm good, thanks. And how are you? Well, very good, Tara. I understand things have been busy for you outside of your work at Kimber House, first of all, because uh, you've been moving house, haven't you? Yes, first time moving house with my partner. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but we're all in. We've got everything bar a sofa. So at the moment, we've got two chairs acting as our sofa. So thankfully, with COVID, we can't invite anyone over anyway. So the sofa doesn't really matter. (laughs) So is this the first time you live with partner? Um, No, I've been living with her the past three years, but it's been with family. So this is like officially we've moved out. There's no one else with us. It's a big step. Well, Gemma Bray has worked for the MG Car Club for just under a year now. She forms part of the communications team at Kimber House. And uh, Gemma, you have joined in the worst of circumstances, really, to start a new job because, of course, you joined us midway through the very first lockdown most of that time over the last year has been working from home hasn't it yes it has it was the i think the strangest thing was going from one job working from home to this job working from home so it it didn't have that change of environment um as you say um it's been odd working from home um but the guys at kimber house are really good um so yeah 
I've I'm still here. I'm still enjoying myself. So that's the main thing. Um, COVID hasn't changed any of that. Well, you're no stranger to the MG community, are you? Because uh, your daily car is an MG3 and you yeah. have been around MGs a long time. So where did it all start for you? So I will blame my dad. Um, he had a Rover 25 um, as his car. And then he gave that to my partner when she started to to learn to drive. If I was a couple of months ahead of the game, I would have got said Rover, um, but unfortunately not. So it went to her and she started modifying it as you do at, what, 16, 17, started modifying the Rover. And then before you realise, I wanted to get in with it. So I brought a little MGZR. Um, in trophy blue I might be biased the best colour well of course the car that celebrates 20 years this year uh, all part of the anniversaries we're celebrating at the Triumph and MG weekend in August at the Three Counties Showground in Malvern which we'll talk a little bit about in just a moment but um, what is the attraction of well Rovers and MGs for you it's not just the cars I think it's the community around it Um, living in the southwest originally we were going to meet every single weekend and we were just having fun in the cars. Like there was nothing special about my Z. It was just a basic 1.4. I didn't do any high modifications to it, but it was my little baby and she went everywhere with me. Um, I took her to Pride of Longbridge and all these other small shows around in the Southwest. And it was just a fun little car. Um, especially going in the country lanes in the southwest, that's when you really sort of put your foot down and the turns and stuff. And I just love that. And then when, unfortunately, she died, um, I didn't have the space to restore her or anything like that. So I made the very big decision of purchasing a brand new car Um And I wanted to stay in the MG community. I could have brought another Z or a different MG, but I liked that aspect of having the sort of the no MOTs for the four years um, and the sort of the seven-year warranty really sort of shown for me as a sort of a good perk to buy new. And that's when I decided to test drive the MG3 and fell in love with it and signed on the dotted line straight after the um, drive test. This is a great thing, isn't it, about the MG brand? Because whilst on the one hand, we've got our sort of very special vintage cars, and then we've got our sort of slightly more affordable MGBs and all sorts of different eras covered, you have got this sort of late 90s, early 2000s batch of cars that still are now coming into their their own in terms of being a classic car, but are still affordable and easy to run as Mm -hmm. an everyday driver. And... Did you find it affordable and easy to start your MG journey at the very beginning? Yeah, I did. Um, The only thing that costed a lot was the insurance. Um, But I was, uh, I think, 18, 17, 18 at the time. Um, Yes, it was only a 1.4, but insurance companies saw it as a, a sporty car. So for the first two years, I had a black box. Um, which anyone driving my car did not like because you couldn't go over the speed limit, even just a a mini school. But other than that, she was cheap to run. I had the perks of my partner 
um, being a mechanic. So she was able to do all the servicing on it. So she was loved and enjoyed all the way through her life. She was serviced every year, MOT'd, and she would pass through that. So even at a, she was a 2003 plate. So even at that age, she was still good passing all the MOTs and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely affordable. Um, it was just when it was getting to the, the sort of the big bucks because the paint was flaking off and the rust and yeah, as I said, I just didn't have the room at the time to be able to restore her. Um, looking back now, if I was able to leave her somewhere in a garage, we were going to sort of do her up between us um, and me sort of learn the ropes because they're really easy cars to understand. They're not like the modern cars where you have to go to a dealer to get things looked at. Well, of course, being around the MG Car Club makes ownership easier when you're younger as well because we have the insurance deals. We've got the knowledge as well in the club to help you keep it on the road, basically, and understand when things break, how to fix them. And, you know, I appreciate you're one of the very lucky people who has a mechanic in the house. But um, <laughs> being a part of the MG Car Club, that's what it's all about, isn't it? And it really does help you keep a car on the road. No, definitely. Um, there's always someone out there who will know anything that you've got wrong or you're querying about these cars I'm guaranteed there's at least one person that will go oh yes it's that that's wrong with it um so yeah I think that's another reason for the community aspect not just sort of the meet and greets and events but also the technical know-how and and knowledge because some of these people have owned them since day one, especially with the Zeds when or earlier cars when they came out in 2001 with the Zeds. So, yeah. Mm. Tell us some of the things you've done to personalise your MGs over the years. So, my personalisation at the moment is not very adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did all the normal stuff with the, the ZR. I painted the caliper um, outside bit red because that was my sort of theme with the car. It was blue and red. Um, I got the interior bits hydro dipped into red carbon fiber, mm -hmm. such a simple yes. thing, but it looked really nice with yeah. the, um, the red seats from, um, I think it was the special Zeds at the time. Um, some of them had the red sort of inserts on the seats. Um, and she was also lowered. So I got suspension for her. Um, unfortunately, with the MG3, I'm a bit restricted on what I can and can't do um, because of the seven-year warranty. But we've already got a list, and my partner's probably got a list of as long as her arm of what she wants to do with the three once the warranty is finished. Let's talk about the MG3 because you, like so many MG3 owners within the club, you're really passionate and really enthusiastic about your MG3 in the same way that anyone else might be about their midget or MGB, mm -hmm. aren't you? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, within my first year service happened in November, the same year that I brought the car in the February. So she had already done 15,000 miles in less than a year. Um, and that's not just from going to work every day that was also taking her to car shows 
um, and all sorts. And it was crazy the amount of people walking up to me and going, oh, can I have a look inside and stuff? And I was like, yeah, yeah, telling them all about it. And like being a, a salesperson, if you will, for MG, because some people don't like going into showrooms and stuff like that. So I was letting them know what it was like pre-COVID, letting them sit in the cars and having a look around and stuff like that. So it's a weird car to have, but yeah, I absolutely adore my three. Anyone who knows me personally knows that I always call her her. Um, after Name Your Car Day last year, she's now got a name, um, which is Lulu, um, because of the number plate. And it's just bits like that. Um, so, yeah. Well, I guess there's a bit of an exclusivity thing about having an MG3, isn't there? Because you just simply don't see that many of them out on the road. No, and I. one of the things I've noticed is since I got my three, there's actually more and more popping up, um, especially with the, the pre-facelift, whereas mine's the facelift. Um, there's not so many, but I did see a laser blue facelift going around where I lived and I was like oh my god it's the first one I've kind of seen because as you say you don't you don't really see very many of them so when you do see one it's a bit of a like oh my god moment um even more so than seeing sort of other MGs and um out on the roads and things. Tell us what it's like to live with an MG3 as an everyday car and how reliable it's actually been. So touch wood, <laughs> um, the only reasons I've had to take the three into the garage is self-inflicted um, issues and taken out of the service. Self-inflicted issues. That sounds ominous. <laughs> yeah. So about two weeks after I brought her, so she was all shiny and new, brand new, um, I broke the front door, um, the latch that goes along the front door because as I was opening the door the wind because it was one of the storms at the time the wind just took the door out of my hand I suppose like any other car and it just fling backwards so that was broken then um so I think I had to pay four or five hundred pounds after buying her and stuff but other than that she's been absolutely amazing um coming up it's just the normal stuff that you have to purchase for a car like your, your brakes your servicing um and your tires i because of how many miles i've done my tires are, are nearly coming up um but yeah i've never had any touch wood again <laughs> problems with the sort of the reliability she's well, yeah. it's fulfilling its brief, isn't it? It was a supposed to be a reliable, economic car that was cheap to buy, cheap to run, but yeah. that was just a little bit of fun. And I yeah. think that's ticking all the boxes for you, isn't it, really? No, definitely. And if you put some um, oomph behind it when you're going around corners on tight little roads, she is a very fun little car to drive. Um, it's got cruise control, so when wow. you're on the motorways, just set it to 70. Yeah. You're sorted. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And presumably, you know, you've got friends outside of the car world who look at this car and probably wonder what it is, and you obviously, <laughs> you know, get to compare with the sort of cars that your everyday person drives. And how does it stack up, do you think, to what 
probably your friends outside of the MG community would consider to be a normal car. I don't know if you can compare the three with sort of other cars because of the price difference. So if you're buying a Fiesta, it's like probably, what, 10, 15, 20 grand more? No, you can forgive it, you know, the odd bit of perhaps plastic trim here and there because ultimately it was supposed to be a car that people couldn't on a budget can afford and, yeah. and access a new car very quickly and, and that is exactly the brief it's fulfilling there yeah exactly and like i would have never have dreamed uh what back in 2019 that i would be the owner of a brand new car um i'm financing it each month but it's not that much money when you compare to other cars or when you even compare to what I would have been spending on the, the ZR, it's a really cheap car. And even between the different sort of the tiers that they have for um, trim levels, there wasn't even much in that. So I just went with the, the top spec, went all out and stuff because there was like £10 between it. MG Motor needs to sell cars. It needs to make cars that people will buy so that it can sell cars and maintain its position as a business and grow. And And I think you're proof there that the car is doing what they need it to do. It's latched onto a market, a market that is in a particular price bracket, and they are delivering a car with the MG badge on that is ticking the boxes for someone in the market that you've purchased within. And it's doing mm -hmm. well at that, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and even all the other SUVs, they're doing well because just like the three, they're cheaper than their competitors. Um, but yeah, MG are doing it correct. They're selling the cars. People are enjoying them. What, what more can they do? <laughs> mm. Here's a difficult question for you then. If you had to sell your MG3 tomorrow and you had to buy <laughs> a new car that wasn't an MG, where do you think you would be able to turn? What else would be an option on the table for you? Is the budget unlimited? <laughs> no, the budget has to be what you have now. Well, at the time when I was looking at my three... I was also looking at a Renault Twingo. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that sets the bar, doesn't it, really? And that's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, when you look at the alternatives out in the market, well, you end up driving a Renault Twingo. <laughs> a Renault Twingo is, like, way smaller. Like, I, I haven't seen one in a while, but I don't think you can fit comfortably three people in the back row. Um and the boot space is probably non-existent there. And it's the same with like the Volkswagen up. That was another one I was considering, but if you compare those three cars, the space that the MG3 has is amazing. Like I don't have to move my seat forward for adults to get in the back. Um, when we could go out and about and stuff, it would be me, my mum and my sisters Sisters are all sort of the same sort of height as me. They're not little kids anymore, and they had plenty of room in the back. Where I'm sure in a little Twingo or up, they would probably struggle. Mm. I think we're building the case here for the MG3. We're justifying its position in the market, 
And I think, uh, well, I've, frankly, I think we're doing MG's PR for them rather well, actually, Gemma. But, um, but it, you know, it's a serious point. You know, you see on social media all the time, every time we put a, a message up about modern MGs, there's a who's buying these cars question comes back. And, well, it's people like you, Gemma, isn't it? Let's be honest. Let's have a budget, want a new car, but want to buy into MG and its history. Yeah, no, definitely. I said the one thing when I said, when my three, uh, my ZR was given up the ghost, I said, I want to stay with MG. I could not move away from MG. Um, and if they didn't have the three, then I'd probably be going around in a Twingo right now. God, perish the thought, <laughs> perish the thought. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Adam and I uh, talk on this podcast about uh, MG's lineup of cars and, um, you know, how the different markets are emerging and how they've got to hit them in order to build the volume to maybe one day build the funds within the company to give us those sort of halo cars, as people in the industry like to call them, those cars that everyone aspires to own and that sit above the, the daily everyday products that a company must make in order to survive so um yeah we love the mg3 here at the mg car club and of course it's larger stable mates as well the mg6 uh, that was around at the same time as the mg3 uh, was launched and then of course all of the new electric vehicles that have been added since and it's great to see the range growing and the brand growing around the world isn't it every day i look on social media the mg seems to be growing in a a new country or just a simple location and you're like wow they're actually growing pretty quickly like at the moment they seem to be doing really well out in Australia and New Zealand um and it's little things like that so they've got the right portfolio of cars and they're speaking to the right people and the great thing about them growing in places like Australia and New Zealand is those markets need right-hand drive cars, which means they've got the demand there to build right-hand drive cars. They get that critical mass, and we get to see some of those models here as well. So, uh, yeah, exciting times and lots of interesting models coming out of MG Motor. When you think about some of the older MGs, though, Gemma, and you think about how you were brought up amongst the MG brand, if you could have any old mg from any period or any era in mg's history what would it be so i'm gonna sound really bad but before i joined the club i didn't know much about mg pre sort of 1995 with the f's and tf's so my heart is always on the little zr and i would love 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 to own a celestial blue MGZR. That's my little baby. You might see a theme going along with the colours here. Yeah, yeah, you're liking the blue, <laughs> definitely. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that that I know other people would say sort of the MGBs or anything like that. But for me, my heart is always on the Zs. And if I could own one in the future, yeah, I would definitely go back to a, a ZR. But who knows what they'll be worth in sort of 10 15 years time when they're in their their sort of prime mm. and this is the thing isn't it we've talked about it on this podcast so many times over the last year why people buy classic cars what motivates people to buy an mg join the mg car club and and get into this community that we're all so proud to be a part of and it and it's down to nostalgia 
most of the time and of course we're nostalgic about the cars that we remember seeing as we were growing up in those formative years and we start forming those interests about cars and whilst for many of the people listening to this podcast those cars are no doubt the MGAs, the MGBs, perhaps even the MGs of the mid-80s, MG Montegos and, and things like that. For your generation of course the MGZs were those cars that you aspired to own when they were new because you remembered them as a kid and and that's what's going to be driving things so perfectly understandable i guess and a z would be your dream car definitely well it's uh it's great to talk to you Gemma. and it's great to have uh, a member of the kimberhouse team on the podcast and uh by way of an update of what's happening down at kimberhouse in abingdon lots to look forward to when finally the lockdown ends and we can get out and play and of course uh, you know we've talked about the mgz's an awful lot over the past 10 minutes and they are celebrating 20 years so we'll be celebrating the mgz's anniversary as part of the triumph and mg weekend at malvern the three county showground at malvern in worcestershire over the middle weekend of august the 13th to the 15th of august in fact and you can get your tickets now they're actually on sale you can go to www.triumphandmgweekend.com you can buy your tickets there do support this event it's going to be great not only from the point of view of getting out in our mgs at last but also from the point of view of a bit of banter with our friends driving triumphs because it is an old rivalry that exists between those brands a friendly one but one that we can have a lot fun with when finally we're allowed out uh, in uh, august to enjoy our cars so uh, looking forward to that and of course Gemma and the rest of the team at kimber house working hard to keep the mg car club going during these difficult times so thanks for joining us here on the mg car club podcast you're very welcome wayne thanks for having me subscribe to receive new episodes of the mg car club podcast at mgpodcast.uk